we knew it it could be better but after three years you're already like uh, it's time to, it's time to push it out there yeah yeah let's uh, let's push it out there and in the in the meantime uh, some Indian publisher approached us who is super shady but we didn't have any clue about anything regarding business and uh, making money and stuff like that obviously we've been working without any money involved for all that time and uh, he took the game and published the game and obviously we've got three hundred dollars <laughs> that's uh, that's what happened Hi, this is Matt Bujalski with Storyteller Interviews, startup stories and lessons from Central and Eastern Europe. In this episode, we'll be speaking with Uroš Banjasevic, founder and CCO at Madhead Games in Novi Sad, Serbia. Madhead Games is an award-winning studio that has created titles including Adam Wolf, Rite of Passage, and Pagan Absent Gods. They have also received numerous awards, including Best Developer from All About Casual Games in 2016. Listen in to hear a story of passion creativity and fortitude all right uh good afternoon urosh how you doing today i'm doing great how are you i'm Hello. doing i'm doing well enjoying uh, spring finally developing here in chicago oh nice nice well it's uh, not so nice weather here in serbia it's been raining two days straight so yeah it's not uh, not so not walking not ideal not yeah, ideal it's not ideal <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen, uh, it's a pleasure to have you uh, on the show today. I want to thank you for making nice the time. Nice. Uh, awesome. And can you can you give us a, a little bit of introduction on, on what you're currently doing at Madhead Games? Sure, yeah. Well, uh, I'm one of the founders of Madhead Games, and I'm CCO, Chief Creative Officer there. But uh, as you know how it goes with uh, all of the uh, companies that started small and uh, grew uh, grew fast, I'm still doing a little bit of everything. So being a Creative Officer and founder of a company means you're doing basically everything in the company. Okay. So, yeah, uh, Madhead Games is a game development company, and... Uh, I'm kind of in charge of uh, creating new games, but also creating everything um, inside uh, inside of the studio regarding processes, regarding employer branding, and all that stuff. Okay, can you give us a little bit of insight into the specific type of games that you guys focus on? Oh yeah, well that's uh, that's kind of kind of a story. So it's not like we have one specific type of of games. Actually, we do have now at this current stage, but it's been so many years that we've been trying to find ourselves and find uh, the genre that we're gonna fit in. We've done some cool job in the casual market on the, okay. on the mobile games, but now currently we're working. Uh, uh, we're focusing on core games for PC and uh, consoles. For people that don't know what core games are, can you give a little bit, one or a couple sentences on what that is? Absolutely, absolutely. So we started off making uh, uh, making uh, these core games in the very beginning. I'm going to get to what, what these are. And then we switched to casual games. And let's start with casual games. Casual games are games mostly on mobile, but also on PC and every and, uh, other platform uh, for people who don't consider themselves gamers, basically. Is that so like Candy you, Crush? <laughs> yeah, Candy Crush is absolutely a perfect example of that. So, majority of people who are playing Candy Crush Saga or games uh, such as Candy Crush Saga, uh, basically, those people uh, don't consider themselves gamers. And when they think of their evening, they're like, either I'm going to watch a movie, either I'm going to play some games. But even when it's playing game, you're just like, I'm going to just like tap a little bit uh, of that game that I'm playing on my mobile phone. Most of these people even don't know the names of the games that they're playing. You're just like, oh, there's some match three game that I'm playing. So these are casual games. And uh, core games are completely opposite. These are games made for people who consider themselves gamers when they sit on their PC console they basically sit for hours long sessions so it's completely different mindset you have to make them super top-notch quality in terms of uh, retention on a uh, retention and engagement uh, at um, at any moment inside of the game so moment-to-moment -moment gameplay should be intense uh, it's most likely looking um, cinematic uh, so it's uh, top-notch quality in terms of graphics animation uh, storytelling and stuff like that and these are quite busy games 
games, so they keep you occupied. You cannot play them and do something else with your other hand. <laughs> okay, I guess that that's where that word casual comes from, where you can yeah. kind of just casually play. That makes a lot of sense. Um, well, listen, um, you know, let's start a little bit. You know, let's start at the beginning of your story. Uh, I'm curious. You know, before Madhead, you were a graphic ar- graphics artist. Yeah, I've been, <laughs> yeah, I've been a lot of stuff. But actually, when I was uh, when I was six years old, I had the first uh, exhibition of my paintings. So I started off uh, quite early at at the age of uh, four yeah. or, or five. <laughs> I had the yeah, I started painting, and at the age of six, even before I started going to school, I had my first exhibition. I had I think seventeen. Uh, uh, personal exhibitions uh, of my paintings. I've been, uh, wow. I've been, I, I had some, uh, yeah, some of my paintings uh, ended up in national museum in Serbia. I've been traveling around Europe, getting some uh, rewards for little me uh, for painting uh, achievements and stuff like that. And basically, that's, when I was wild. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's kind of uh, that was kind of crazy. My mom. Uh, always wanted to paint. She didn't have a chance because she was uh, a single daughter of my granddad who was like, uh, no, you won't go and... just like uh, she's got some UNICEF mentorship for uh, for painting because she was also painting uh, quite nicely and her dad didn't let her go to Paris to, uh, to to go to school for that because he was like you're my single my only daughter and uh, she was into yeah she's got into completely different uh, directions so the the thing is that she was like you're free to do anything <laughs> and you can do anything you want uh, but you cannot uh, steal from people that's one rule and you can't do boxing because i don't want to see people beating your ass <laughs> are you were you interested in boxing at all or uh, no no <laughs> no uh, so yeah those that, are the two guidelines the, yeah, two two guidelines. Because boxing for her is just like I don't want anyone to 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 beat you in front of my eyes. So it's just like boxing is everything. Literally, that includes fighting. So yeah, I didn't uh, I didn't steal anything. I didn't do boxing. So I followed her path that she didn't actually the path that she didn't take, and she pushed me everywhere. So she was my. She was kind of like your agent. Absolutely, not, not even agent. She was just like my guardian angel. <laughs> okay. So yeah, much more Your than promoter. that. She was just, uh, literally that. Yeah. And uh, basically, I've been going uh, around Europe. I was kind of a, I feel a little bit ashamed to say that, but kind of a wonderkind. I was like, wow. uh, like uh, a protege. Couple. Yeah, yeah. Everyone, everyone's telling that, and I thought. <laughs> I'll be honest, I had true. no idea. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, absolutely I, no idea. <laughs> no, no. But yeah, uh, at the end, uh, it turned out that uh, I uh, knew what I'm gonna do because I, w- uh, I was on TV when I was like seven years old, and they asked me like, "What you're gonna do when you go up?" And I, w- I was like, "Little me, there's like." I'm going to be an animator of animated cartoons (laughs) or something in video games. And basically that that came true. I didn't continue drawing. Yeah, (laughs) that's I mean, (laughs) that's pretty cool. Yeah, well, I didn't continue drawing. That's that's the thing that um, I was uh, I was also holding a TEDx uh, lecture here in Serbia. And I was talking about that, and I was talking uh, with the voice of uh, Mini Me, and I was just like persuading my parents to buy me the first computer because I loved video games and I wanted to learn to draw on a computer. And I was just like, buy me a computer, and they just like postponed it because it was too expensive. And after a while, uh, it turned out that I got my first computer, and they were like, I was like, I'm gonna draw all day long, and I was just playing games. <laughs> just really? For, for, yeah, I literally forgot how to paint. <laughs> After I got my first computer, I was just like so, so much into games. So I was kind of waste of talent at that point. So uh, I was kind of switching the direction of uh, being a How old were you paint. when you got this computer? I was like uh, 12-ish or something like okay. that. So I've okay. been experiencing for the first time video games. And after that, just like uh, going to high school and just like figuring out that you have to do something with your life. 
And yeah, that's a, that's the moment when I switched actually from being a traditional artist to being a digital artist, but with one gap in between when I just played games. It turned out not to be just the worst decision ever, obviously, because I got so much inspiration and I wasn't just like I was switching from being lazy to being super devoted to stuff. And that's how... That's what I do in my life. When I'm devoted to something, I'm just like um, absolutely 100% into it. Mm -hmm. When I'm lazy, I'm quite lazy. <laughs> and I tend not to be. Uh, later in, in life, I just like, uh, I was pushing myself not to be lazy and uh, not to be caught by inertia. And basically, yeah, after playing games, uh, I started, uh, I, I looked at Toy Story something, and I was just like, I want to make this stuff. Uh, and I switched to 3D graphics. I was like, I would like to do some 3D graphics on a computer. So I switched from traditional painting to not just to digital, but to 3D graphics. And when uh, when I got there, it was quite complex because it's much more technical than... Yeah than just traditional painting when you learn the technique uh, uh, and yeah it's all in your hand here you click some buttons and some magic <laughs> happens mm. and it was quite uh, it was it was more difficult than i expected but i was at that point i was devoted and i've been trying to become cool 3d artist and all of a sudden two years later when i was uh, i think 16 or something like that uh, I've applied to some world contest on 3dtotal.com, which was the biggest site for of that time for 3D graphics, 3D, 3D, mm -hmm. all of the 3D artists gathered there. And I've uh, applied on two competitions, and I won one uh, um, audience award and one second place on these two in on world. Uh, uh, stage so one for, was for for qu uh, speed modeling so how much you can model in half an hour really? wow. <laughs> yeah and the other one was building some environment based based on the on the theme that they they gave us in a week or so what year was that, this what so, what year what year was this it was i if i was 16 that was almost 20 years ago so it was 19 years ago <laughs> <laughs> so okay. it was 2002 or something like that okay. yeah Pretty, pretty close to that. And so, yeah, at, the, at that point, I thought like I might not be the worst uh, 3D artist ever, so I want to do something with it. And I met guys in uh, Novi Sad. Uh, one guy in particular who was actually holding uh, lectures on how to make games, which was quite uh, amazing at that point. And it was 2004 and the beginning of 2005. That's the only year that I remember because this is the moment when we get to <laughs> video games. And I went for I went for the for the lecture, and they saw uh, and it was a uh, programming lessons because I wanted to become a programmer as well so that I can make my own game. So I wanted to be a one man band. I went there. Uh, a guy was asking me like, "Have you uh, do you have any any background with programming?" I'm like, "No." He's like, "Okay, you're but you're." 18 <laughs> you, you either should start uh, you should start now and you should start with some uh, with more of the basic stuff not just with video games and i'm just like no i want to work in video games so he's like but it's super hard and i'm just like no i'm already making 3d graphics he's like let me let me see it i show him and he's just like forget about being a programmer we need 3d artists here <laughs> really <laughs> yeah we're making some video game and uh, come join us yeah, and I'm like, well, yeah, I don't have to be a programmer. If there's anyone else in Serbia making video games, I should just join the crew. And it turned out that I joined the crew. It was in Novi Sad. I'm from Belgrade originally. Belgrade is capital of Serbia. And Novi Sad is like 80 kilometers, some 50 miles or so from, from Belgrade. And I was traveling by train like every week to meet the guys. But as... As it happens with every cool story, as soon as I was in the honeymoon, uh, that team fell apart. They didn't just like do their job. There, there was like 15 guys. They were they've been hobbyists. So you mean you mean thing. when you really had your heart into it, that's when things started falling apart. Uh, well, yes, but it was even before that. So it, it was a honeymoon. It was literally, I've been working with them for three months and they actually split up because it oh, was all okay. a hobby for them. It was just like, we're making game, but just like investing 
two hours per week uh, into that. I was just like, I want to invest all of my time because I'm just starting to be a student. I want to study during the day. I want to work during the night. I want to make some cool things happen. And uh, what happened is that they were like, nah, um, forget it, uh, forget video games. And after that, actually what happened is that three guys out of that crew were pretty close to my mentality and they were like let's not give up let's make something happen so uh, what happened is that in 2005 later later in 2005 we gathered uh, um, four of us gathered and we started working on new game and basically this is the moment i think it's november 2005 so uh, that yeah that was the moment when i officially kind of started working on something that's gonna end up in uh, Medicaid games and everything we've built so far. So 2005 is when you, when you, the yeah. team came together. Yeah. 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 And that was, and that team was from that original 15 person crew. Yeah. 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 That's the first moment. And um, I mean, the, the original crew didn't even have the name. So that was so much of a hobby. They didn't yeah. have a name for the game. They didn't have a name for the crew. It's just like, let's get her and showcase. And, and stuff. hang out. Yeah. 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 And most, mostly it was like drinking beer and stuff. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> so when the, when you had this first, you know, when you guys came together as Madhead, what was the first game that you wanted to make? But yeah, uh, that was the beginning of me working in the games industry and not just like being a hobbyist. But uh, that wasn't the, ma the moment when we made uh, Madhead Games. So we've been working together for six years uh, before making uh, okay. Madhead Games, which uh, we started, uh, we, we founded in 2011. So the first thing we've been building was uh, the game called uh, Pyro Blazer like a space uh, racing shooter with um, in three three-dimensional like crazy stuff we thought it, it's gonna be <laughs> we thought it's gonna be easy it's just like a racing game flying a racing game it, it can't be that hard so we had the idea on uh, finishing this one in six months uh and now and how did that work out yeah well the, it worked out that we almost barely had a, a prototype that sucked in in six, <laughs> in six months so now when someone tells me like three guys six months i'm like oh no it's not gonna happen <laughs> nothing is gonna happen so the first the first idea on making it happen in six months was completely absolutely delusional so we didn't have anything basically after these six months and we extended this period for one more year so it's not like extending it for 50 percent yeah. it's just like <laughs> triple it uh after a year and a half we had something we were on track uh, with uh, we were like i mean that's talk about perseverance you know a, a yeah. year and a half you guys stuck it out yeah yeah absolutely yeah and we were you know we were kids i was like 18 years old and 19 and we didn't even we've been studying so i'm just like studying eating whatever i can eat so we didn't have any money but it was it was kind of cool i've been working like um 10 hours a day studying 10 hours being on the faculty for the other 10 hours i've been sleeping for three hours a day and i was super happy about it <laughs> so wow. i was just like super thrilled something good is going on and after a year and a half it's looked like a game but absolutely not shippable because there's there's a huge difference and i think it reflects on all of the products that you can make uh, um, e no matter what you do it's not just based on the games but there's a huge difference between something that looks finished and something that is shippable and most likely g people get stuck on this 80% of something because it looks shippable but you know the 80-20 rule you, you know 80% you make 80% uh, like for the 20% of time you make 80% of the product and <laughs> the rest 80% of the time you finish it and basically it looked like it's gonna uh, it, we're, we're getting uh, getting it wrapped up but wrapping it up took us a year and a half more <laughs> oh wow so, so total it was three years it's totally totally it was three years yeah and even in three years, which is super, when you when you look at it from the perspective of like making something in uh, six months, we've been making the technology, we've been making uh, the game itself, we've been reiterating like uh, the game from scratch from like three times we were ditching all the stuff mm. that we've done because we learned so much that yeah. we didn't want to see the, the previous stuff in the game. So basically every time we learned so many new things, 
all of the graphics looked like crap and we were like let's ditch it and start start all over and we were crazy about the quality even from the first days when we've been working on this stuff uh I, I think that our only model was just like uh, Excel at everything mm. you do. You know, every time we're doing something and we feel like we're doing great job, we wanted to do more. And I think that's that's the thing that slowed us down many, many times. But they, in the end, I think it paid off. And I would recommend to anyone just like doing the same because I think that excellence and mastery pays off. Because It's interesting so that you're, you're saying that because... Um, previous guest that I have, uh, Kalev Karpuk uh, from Estonia, uh, he he said said the same, you know, he, and I love his quote, uh, why would you do something shittily if you can do it better? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. We have, we, we have a, a, the, a saying in our studio, which is not that great and not something that uh, that's like uh, e- easy to be quoted, but it's quoted in our studio so many times. It's been how do you properly do things? It's just like twice, <laughs> and it was like at least twice, <laughs> because the first time it's pretty yeah. shitty and the second time it might be good. So you know, it, I, it, I've learned that in my life as well. Is the first the first approach to something is fraught with mistakes. Absolutely. Yeah. Even if you heard about these mistakes, I mean, uh, every time someone is just like learn on others' mistakes, you know, just like there's no such thing as learning on your own mistakes. <laughs> just like every, every time I read from the book and uh, listen to someone and just like to learn on my mistakes and just like, yeah, of course I learn on your mistakes and I make the same mistakes. And you make the same mistakes again. <laughs> yeah, but what I tend to do is not to make the same mistake myself again. Yeah. So, yeah. We've been doing that also a couple of times, but we we try not to anymore. <laughs> I mean, every rule has to be broken, right? Even that one. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so you're so, three years into your project, and did was it ready at three years? Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it was. I mean, kind of ready. We knew it. It could be better, but after three years, you're already like. Uh, it's time it's time to push it out there yeah yeah let's uh, let's push it out there and in the in the meantime uh some indian publisher approached us who was super shady but we didn't have any clue about anything regarding business and uh, making money and stuff like that obviously we've been working without any money involved for all that time and uh, he took the game and published the game and obviously we've got $300. (laughs) That's that's what happened. So, uh, in terms of uh, financials, the game was total disaster. $100 Uh, per year. uh, Yeah, $100 per year uh, and splits uh, on three of us, which was was the starting crew, and there was a couple of guys who helped us on the way. It was like good 20 bucks per person (laughs) in the end. So, it's just like, "Mm, nice. Almost worth it. Uh, yeah, but we learned a lot. And the, the thing is that uh, although it sounds uh, majority of people listening to this are not from the gaming industry. So uh, like the time frame of, uh, of three years sounds like a huge amount of time. But the games are made for seven years, 10 years, eight wow. years, two years, three. Three years is one of the shortest periods for mm. making the game. And basically, I mean, obviously it depends on, on the type of the game, but the, the type of the game that we've been making making at that point, anyone who approached us uh, from the industry and uh, took a look at what we've done, um, there's been uh, a bunch of uh, American publishers also coming visiting our studio, which was basically a garage. <laughs> we like to call it studio. Uh, and they visited and just like, wow, nice. Who, who made this? And we were just like, we made this. They're like, no, n- not this level. Who made the game? We're just like, well, we made the game. <laughs> so it was like, pretty good. Like, yeah, they were, they were like, uh, well, the game wasn't that good, but the amount the amount of work uh, invested into the game was impressive. Okay. So th- they were all like, it, this literally can cannot be like physically cannot be done by by three person thing, you know and that's the thing the, the thing uh, about the production quality is also it was it, it had great production quality uh, for example we had like 40 different uh, play, uh, ships that you can uh, upgrade drive and stuff like that majority of uh, today's games don't have that that many ships we had a lot of tracks a lot of like different environments um, soundtrack three hours of soundtrack we had like 
huge amount of everything. But the, there was the main uh, sauce missing, and it, uh, I wouldn't blame it on the publisher, which was that shady Indian. I would blame uh, blame it on us because games should be fun in the first place. And I think that we uh, we didn't have enough knowledge and experience and expertise on how to design fun for people. Okay. You know, it was all great, but who cares? You it know? wasn't that engaging. Yeah, yeah. Imagine the the movie that looks nice. The production value is super high. They had the great idea, but the execution in the end is just like, eh. Mm. you know. And that's that's what happened. And that's based on all of the mistakes in terms of game design that we could have made. But yeah, that's the topic for game designers and more <laughs> people who are more into the game. So you guys released this game to not not a great result. You release yep. the game and you don't have a great result. And what is what do you guys do as a team now? Because it sounds like you've grown, right? You you brought some more people in to do the work f- with you, along with you. And I understand that nobody you, you, nobody was paying anybody, right? Because you were just yeah. trying to make it work. And yeah. so, you know, what happened then? Yeah, what happened is that uh, all of the publishers who reached uh, out to us and couldn't believe what we've done, they actually wanted to hire us uh, to hire us as the outsourcing force, you know, as the outsourcers. So they were like, "You're building cool stuff, so let's do it." Obviously, we didn't make money out of making the game by ourselves, right. but we can make money by making things for someone else. And we started doing that, and basically, that was the first moment when we got um, some money, you know. And uh, we were so crazy about it. So we were so crazy with making games and we were so productive that uh, uh, there's a little uh, secret uh, that we actually started working as the outsourcers and we felt like it's too easy. So whenever we we wanted to earn money to try again to make our own game. So that was that was the goal, you know, from from the beginning. Uh, yeah, from from I wouldn't say from the beginning. I I would say there was a cool down of uh, six months to one year from the previous one. Just okay. like ah, oh, everything is fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> to like let's try again, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But we we started working as the outsourcers. We f- figured out that uh, the expectations are so low that we can do everything. So we were like, what's the best way to to gather some money to try it again? We were like, let's sell ourselves uh, each of us as three different persons and <laughs> tell people because we can hit the quotes we had quote per person and i can do for job for three persons wow. and no one will notice and that's what we did actually we we wow. sold like 10 10 men team three of us we've been working 14 hour shifts uh, and in 14 hours i've been like uh, uh, finishing job for for 24 hours someone someone else's 24 hours we've been uh, even above the quotes so everyone was happy we've been receiving that's, like triple payments. that's really <laughs> impressive well yeah yeah how long me, did you that, do that for uh it was uh i would say a year and a half or or so and where were Almost. the companies that you were working for mostly from uh from from the us uk and some from from the europe so basically yeah majority was from the US and some of them were even uh, even AAA uh, publishers such as uh, Ubisoft uh, and uh, and uh, big And big how did you get like those that. initial contacts? Uh, actually it started small it started with some smaller uh, with one uh, UK based uh, publisher who started uh, hiring us so they got uh, uh, like they've been outsourcers for the bigger company for for Ubisoft actually so they actually gave us their job and uh, basically what happened is that people heard about us they were like who are these crazy guys from whatever the name of the country is <laughs> uh, and they were like come work with us and basically at some point we've been working on these three you know, like triple triple uh, work hours a day i mean like getting paid for triple yeah. work hours but doing a little less than double uh, double shifts and uh, we've been choosing between better better and better jobs so everyone wanted to work with us and uh, at the peak of uh, of our performance as the outsourcers after a year and a half or two or something like that uh we were like well we can make our living like this it's we've been properly paid and we've been saving that money we're like it's time to stop doing this and try it again 
<laughs> just like, well, it doesn't make any sense because you're for the first time after five years period or so, you're actually earning money. <laughs> you're getting really uh, good salaries and you're making your living and you're like, no, let's stop doing that and let's get to spending that money <laughs> all over again. So, but I, I mean, you believe you, you gain, you, you gain so much experience by doing it for other companies that's what made you confident enough to say we can step away from this i'm assuming that that somewhere in the back of your mind you thought you guys can always come back to this right absolutely absolutely i, I i'm like i, I was always uh, kind of confident in my skills and i wasn't afraid to try something new because i knew what i knew i can't I, I did forget to to draw pretty much, but I'm like I can do it. I've done it once. I'm gonna do it twice if if needed. I'm gonna learn, relearn it uh, and do do it uh, again even better. So every time we've been abandoning some ship, uh, it wasn't because the ship is sinking. It's because uh, it it's boring on that ship and we want to go somewhere else yeah. but we know that that ship is not going to sink and we can get back on it but i never even at the back of my head i knew that i can come back but i knew that i'm not coming back <laughs> you know okay you're, you so like, you were really confident uh yeah i'm yeah, I'm kind of a ideation and futuristic guy, and I'm whenever I'm thinking about the future, I'm thinking like it's happening now. So whenever I'm presenting, even now in the studio, when I whenever I present my ideas, I'm mostly like, "Here's what's happening," and I tell the story. Yeah. And they're like, "Okay," and I'm just like, "That's our day five years in the future." <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> okay, but you present it just like it's happening now, and it's just like it's gonna happen five years in the future, like that. So, uh, so tell yeah. us, so tell us what when you when you guys decided to do this game, what did you already have a game in mind, or was it, or or did you start at that point? Okay, what do we what are we gonna come up with? Yeah, actually, actually, the, we thought about it for a long time. But that, that was uh, the initial spark, and that's when we actually uh, founded Madhead Games. Uh, that's that's what happened. Three of us out of four of us, uh, basically, we just split because we've been we wanted to do different things. And three of us uh, who've been working together since 2005, Nana and Alex, are my best friends uh, up to this date, and they will stay <laughs> like that uh, pretty much forever because they're the greatest guys and uh, smartest people I've ever met. And whenever I'm talking about uh, uh, about um, our success and everything that we've done together, I'm always like, it's all sweat and tears and a lot of uh, a lot of hard work and a lot of luck. And the only thing that was only purely luck is that we met each other. <laughs> so that's uh, that's the cool part. So the the moment when we founded uh, Medkit Games was the moment when we uh, we uh, we uh, got into contact with uh, Big Fish Games, which is Seattle-based. Um, uh, publisher of casual games which dominated the market so basically the biggest uh, casual games um, publisher at that time uh, with their biggest niche uh, of hopa games hopa stands for uh, hidden object puzzle adventure games which are casual games with uh, some storyline uh, intriguing mystery you're solving finding some clues about about what happened in that mystery and solving mystery and basically resolving all the narrative in the game by doing some crazy puzzles, going through the narrative, exploring new locations and finding hidden objects. So okay. basically, these are the games. And we've been approached by them. And basically, these games are not something that we used to play because still we were core gamers we were not casual gamers but basically it played on all of our strengths as as people because we've been good at creating art we've been good at telling stories and uh, these games have the established root like uh, established uh, workflow on how how you make them you know mm -hmm. and we thought about uh, reinventing the genre so that was more of the same old so these all of these games are played for like uh, four to five hours and you finish them and you go to, to the next one so they're pretty pretty similar to each other the different story different you know di different story different art but it's pretty much pretty much the same and we wanted to make the demo and they approached us and told us to make the make the demo for them so first half an hour of gameplay which is called um, golden hour the, f the first hour of gameplay so the first 30 minutes you show them and if they um, 
if they want you they say okay let's sign the deal if they don't want you then you can do whatever you want and uh, we thought about making a game for them and we thought about reinventing the genre so this is our first game in that genre but we want to reinvent it nice. we do, we've, we've done something ridiculous with these games are kind of stylized, but somewhere in between, uh, just like stylized uh, r- realistic graphics, I would say that. So it's not absolutely cartoony or something like that. And we wanted to make more Disney-like, more artistic. And we made a game that we loved, the, the demo that we loved, uh, which is uh, basically pretty much the same, but more artistic. We showed it to them and we were like super happy about it and we were like yeah we're gonna nail it so they're gonna love it and they sent a response that basically we missed the target audience the, the disney like graphics mm. might be more artistic but it's suitable for younger population and they cannot sell that and they offered us half of the budget that we can get for the proper game take it or leave it and take it or leave it yeah and we were like running out of funds again so it was a tough decision to take it it's also good money but it's still half of something that you might earn and we were like oh fuck it let's do it from let's ditch it and do it from scratch and let's make it make the proper game that's gonna earn full (laughs) so you said no yeah, we said no. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> can you, said, can you uh, really quickly, can you shed a little light on what these contracts with, um, with publishers look like? In terms uh, of, you know, well, how is the revenue split? Yeah, the revenue split is most likely 70-30, uh, of course, favoring the, the publisher, or 80-20, or it could be, uh, of, of course, uh, 80-20 is if the if the game is uh, already paid uh, up front uh, for, for you to, to make it. So there's a lot of different, okay. um, different things that you can uh, do with the contract. Uh, there's no standard way of like uh, doing okay. stuff with any any publisher. So any publisher has different ideas, and even when they have different ideas, based on your negotiation technique, it could be <laughs> it could turn out to be different. <laughs> Our negotiation <laughs> technique was kind of Serbian style. No. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we didn't know much about negotiations back then. Yeah. So you you say no, and you guys decide that you're gonna self-publish. No, we decide that we're gonna. You're gonna um, create the game on your own. Create a new game, so we're gonna ditch it. We were like, okay, that's for us, but let's not make a game for us, but for someone who's gonna buy that game, you know? Oh, okay. And so you took the feedback. Yeah, we took the feedback, and we were like, let's ditch this. Although we like it, let's kill our babies and let's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, let's. Uh, uh, let's destroy them with another game and let's not try to be smart let's just try to take the the proven process of making these games let's take the best one in the world we took literally the the winner of 2010 um, like award ceremony they, they they won the award for the for the best game of the year we took this one played it through wrote all of the feedback dissected um, uh, we we've been doing all kinds of research we were like let's make this but better okay and that's what we did actually we did this one the first demo was uh, we sent uh, six months later we ran out of money again so we all again started working without any payment uh for us and for two guys working with us as well so we were like uh, we're gonna do this and we told them that there's gonna be no money so you can stay with us if you believe in this and they stayed with us both wow. of them and uh, we did it the the first demo that we've sent they were like uh, big fish was like wow that's cool uh, yeah, opposite to the first yeah. <laughs> reaction that we've got and they're like can you expand it from that one building to like uh, <laughs> a little town <laughs> and it was just like ridiculous uh, but yeah we expanded it we've done that uh, we signed a deal and what turned out to happen is that in 2013 uh, a year and a half later uh, it's uh, it's been the game of the year so when oh, we wow. launched it it was the best game uh, in the world of that genre so was that Adam Wolf? 
No, that was a rite of passage. Uh, that was the first rite of passage. And uh, after that, we continued making these games because, as I said, there's a proven process of making these, and basically they can be done in uh, less than uh, any less amount of time with a smaller amount of people than any other game. And uh, what we wanted to do next is to step up, raise the bar with the, the next game. But also that wasn't uh, enough for us. But what we wanted to do is make two games simultaneously. <laughs> like, uh, of course. But at this point, well, at this point, are you guys getting money from yeah, Big Fish? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, from the moment we signed the game, we were getting paid. We paid all of the guys, and we uh, the the studio expanded, and there was like ten of us at that point, and we wanted to make a uh, second game, not the second game, but second and third simultaneously. And that was one of the big switches because scaling, uh, taking a look at the look at the the two different games, learning to delegate stuff to to, to just like uh, give someone else something to do and not just like doing it all by yourself is kind of tricky. And I yeah. think that every single uh, founder of s any startup which grew up to more people than one room can fit <laughs> uh, can tell you the same thing. And just like, uh, I've been control freak for so long and I'm trying not to be. <laughs> and that's what we wanted to do. And uh, even with the new games, we've won a lot of uh, awards, best, best graphics, best um, whatever. We've won over... 30 different wow. uh, awards over the course of the, the years and we've made we've scaled up and the team was ramping up the amount of uh, the amount of games we were making simultaneously ramped up uh, uh, we've built, built technology supporting all that we've built infrastructure for that and over the course of uh, uh, I would say four years we've developed uh, 30 Plus, uh, now it's uh, uh, 50 something, <laughs> 50 something games that we've released. Huh. Uh, and uh, team grew from three of us plus two of our friends to 140 something people now. So, yeah, oh. it's been huge. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it's, I'm curious about, because uh, at some point you started self publishing these games, right? Yeah. When, yeah, did, yeah, when did that transition happen? Well, once again, you see the pattern. Whenever something gets uh, boring and stable, <laughs> as soon as you get comfortable, get, you you uh... yeah, absolutely out of the comfort zone. So uh, as soon as we got comfortable with this one, we were like, okay, let's try to do something different, and we were like, let's try self-publishing our game. And the Adam Wolf was uh, the idea. That's the name of the game, and we wanted to make uh, a dark detective mystery game, which uh, is kind of a Dylan Dog who read comics and stuff like that. So we we loved um, Dylan Dog, and we wanted to make something like that. So supernatural, but still tied to the real world, uh, San Francisco happening in San Francisco, uh, and we wanted to do something different, but not just to make it. Uh, our own self-published, but we we were, we were like, oh, okay, if we're gonna publish it, it's gonna be something special. And uh, two two things that are that were special is that this one is more actiony than any game in that genre before. Okay. And and the other the other stuff uh, that we that we tried is making it uh, episodic game. So there's uh, four episodes of the same game, not just a single game. And uh, it started off slow when we published it because Big Fish has that like huge peak. So they have pretty predictable results with the sales of their games. So the, their portal works that way. So it's kind of a closed eco ecosystem where you get new game every day. This is basically their motto, a new game every day. And you come for the new game. Um, majority of people buy it in the first week. And after that, there's a huge drop off. And basically you learn 95% of the revenue in the first week and... Not, not maybe not 95, but 85% of the revenue in the first week, and over the course of one year, you earn 15% more. Wow. On the other hand, with uh, with uh, Adam Wolf uh, selling it by ourselves uh, on in all countries of the world, on all stores, Steam, uh, big even Big Fish Games was one of the of the channels that we use, of one of the platforms that we use, but uh, all, uh, we published it uh, ourselves. So they were just like who a portal uh, selling it. It was on Steam, on um, Apple Store, on Google Play. Uh, 
uh, it started slow so you build the acquisition and stuff like that we build you build it around it and we were featured the the huge thing that happened that we didn't expect is that uh, Differently from Big Fish Games, which is basically selling, get, getting 70 to 80 percent of the revenue in the U.S. and the rest in the rest of the world, basically 30 percent mm-hmm. is the rest of the world. Uh, we didn't nail U.S. for some reason. We just uh, it started super slow and it didn't actually perform good in the U.S. But we were. Uh, Without any connection, without anything, we've been uh, uh, highlighted uh, and uh, picked uh, as the one of the favorites on uh, Chinese uh, Apple Store. So they oh, really? us, uh, yeah. So we've been uh, uh, editor's choice there, and uh, all of a sudden, millions of people downloaded the game, <laughs> and we we're like, mm, nice. So you, you woke up one morning and you wake up one morning and you're like. What the, you look at the graph and you're just like bang, like what? Wow, I mean, I mean that's got to be a good feeling. Yeah, it, it, it's it's been a drunk feeling <laughs> <laughs> for a couple of days. Uh, yeah, and that's what happened. It didn't it actually earn uh, like tons of money. We didn't just like shower ourselves with dollars, but uh, it was it was good to have so many so many new people because the the basic version is uh, free. Then you pay. The monetization wasn't great, but we earned more than we earned on the other uh, big fish games. The thing was that. Uh, are not expenses in terms of financial expenses but time investment energy investment might be might not be worth it and mm. we decided not to com- continue pers- pursuing that dream because we were like we want to make bigger games and not be the publisher of our games oh i see so yeah so our focus was not like let's make make the sequel but and publish it ourselves and over the course of one year earn twice as we would earn on on uh, big fish games you know when you pu- when you have a publisher you just send them game they do the marketing they just sell it you get the money and that's yeah. it and you're a developer and we'll just like in our core we're developers we're not publishers and we don't want to be something that uh, that doesn't suit us our personalities and basically what we did is like, okay, we tried a little bit more with some other games that we prototyped uh, uh, in mobile and uh, on PC. This didn't do well because we didn't, we had so much of a scattered focus at that point. We were self-publishing, doing mobile games, doing PC games, doing Hopa games for Big Fish and for ourselves. And basically an absolute shotgun approach, which didn't work for us. And we wanted to just like uh, make a sniper rifle out of a shotgun. So that's why we decided not to go with self-publishing anymore. Although it paid our bills and it was cool. What uh, what year was this? Uh, that was uh, in uh, that's that's been happening uh, up until. Uh, like 2020. Uh, okay, so it's a, 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 a recent change. Yeah, yeah, it's been happening from 2018 to 2000 and 2020 when we decided to narrow down. Narrow the, your the, focus. The focus and, yeah, and and what what happened is that we started working on our first core game. As I said, core games are yeah. for big boys <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, these are super hard to make uh, huge development teams instead of uh, seven to ten people working on one hidden object game for seven months this is going to be 80 80 people for two years and uh, yeah it's completely different beast and we wanted to do something like that and we wanted to do to make an RPG game, hack and slash RPG. Uh, whoever plays a little bit of games might know about uh, Diablo, which was the game. That I we grew all up on played. Diablo. Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We wanted to make something like Diablo with Slavic folklore and mythology in it. So it was done in 3D, uh, Unreal Engine, Epic Games, who made Fortnite. Some new kids might know more about Fortnite than Diablo. But we wanted to make uh, Diablo. We uh, we made the, the demo ourselves again 
and we presented it to some of the publishers and uh, Epic Games, which is one of the biggest uh, like uh, entities in the industry now, they loved it and they actually uh, gave us the award of the most promising indie game uh, in Unreal Engine two times and we've been next, uh, showcasing our game in Brighton, on Brighton Conference and in Moscow for DevGum uh, Conference and won award for best PC game on the showcase uh, when we presented there. And after we've done that, we've been approached by Wargaming, which is one of the biggest publishers in the world. Which is we, they made uh, World of Tank, uh, um, World of Tanks, and earned billions of dollars for that. They approached it. They they like uh, we like the game. We wanna we wanna publish it. And we were like, ah, you can't believe that that's happening. And all of a sudden, a couple more publishers approached us, and they wanted to publish the game. And uh, we've been choosing between uh, five different good, uh, good things to, that, that are going to happen. And uh, once again, we didn't choose the one that brought us more money. We chose one that brought us, uh, that we thought is going to bring us the most experience and the coolest mm. stuff, mm, people to, to meet, which is basically Wargaming as the biggest publisher of them all. And even if it's not the biggest money, it's like the biggest opportunity and the coolest stuff to do and that was with kingerich the game kingerich yeah the, the kingerich was the original game we thought that it's gonna be cool because it's based on slavic mythology and we made some wordplay there there but no one could pronounce it so we changed the name to pagan <laughs> <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's easy, easier that way uh we've been building that game also for two years and it's it was one of the of the toughest periods because we, for the first time, it was like team of almost 100 people on one single project. We were completely unprepared for what's coming. So we weren't doing the agile, scrum, anything. Our backlog was basically notebooks. We didn't know anything about making huge projects we were like having these ecosystems in our offices making cool stuff but uh, everything was based on our gut feeling our technology and uh, like verbal uh, orga organizing it between ourselves obviously we've been tracking tasks down and doing that stuff but uh, not uh, not in a proper way for for the for the bigger team and uh yeah, we wanted to make a multiplayer game, co-op, which means that it goes over the internet. We wanted to build servers. It was uh, it was a mess. We had a lot of crunch. Uh, <laughs> it was a mess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We got a lot of crunch uh, finishing that game, and the game wasn't ready. We were talking to publishers, and basically they couldn't postpone the, the launch date, which was unrealistic at the very beginning. And the biggest thing that I... Pity uh, at that point is that uh, we didn't know it. We couldn't calculate it because we've never done that. And I thought that they would be the ones to to know to tell us, no, it's not doable. It's physically undoable because we've been once again we started off by doing triple work hours and no one noticed that uh, I'm not three different persons. And we've continued doing that with even more experience. We've done stuff like that and we've been crunching and we couldn't make it and i was just like how does it come that we that that we got to this pitfall of like uh, not having the idea on how to wrap up the game we finished the game uh, but the game was pushed to to market so quickly and it earned some money it was i love that game uh, it could have been much better if we had a I little mean, more is time it, is this still pagan yeah, it's Pagan Absent Gods is the name on Steam. It uh, earns some money, but obviously the idea on what's uh, what's earning money when you're a small developer in Serbia, I mean, not so small in terms of people, but still small as a, as a developer group, and your multi-billion company, uh, the perspectives are quite different and they decided not to continue uh, working on future updates for the game which is kind of yeah it was kind of uh, I would say emotional for me yeah. because I, I really believed in this one and I was just like we can do this we, we could have done better it's I, I 
didn't see what we could have done better, except for not making the mistakes which are normal to be made in the process of making games. But you have to basically uh, have the uh, have the, the the time box for for all the mistakes and on solutions and how to iterate on this one. So, if I'm understanding correctly, because if I'm understanding correctly, you you were disappointed it didn't do better, but at the same time, you feel like you did everything you could. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. There's, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of things that we could have done differently, but... But you acknowledge that do... there are always mistakes along the way. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. And none of this was just, like, right in front of my eyes and just, like, you were stupid back then. It's just, like, I felt something. I wasn't sure if that's going to be a problem. It turned out to be a problem. I feel stupid because I didn't react on yeah. time. But on the other hand, it wasn't that like it wasn't like a neon sign saying like oh, mistake mistake <laughs> so so, uh, so th there wasn't any anything that was so obvious that i feel like super stupid but uh yeah as i tend to think of myself uh, as someone who has to be better at any point in my life so uh, i was still i was emotional because i felt kind of because no one felt like that in the studio most likely but i felt like i disappointed my guys in the studio because we didn't make it better because mm. we all put so much soul into it and when it was up to all of us to finish it we didn't have time and i wouldn't even say, say stamina because we had stamina until the very like second before we pushed the ship it button and when we pushed ship ship it button we were like at that even at that moment we felt more of a relief after that crunch and just like if we're not gonna get extra six months that we need so be it you know yeah. and i felt like that's that's yeah yeah it's tough ob obviously it's it's business decision so i'm not like a uh, bad publisher but yeah, yeah <laughs> as a developer you're always like connected to to the thing that you're working on so yeah. what did you guys do after pagan after Pagan, which was released in 2018, so it's uh, more recent news. We again, after every everything that you've done once and uh, do it all right or fail or good, you do it second time and you do it better. <laughs> so we decided to continue uh, pursuing pursuing that that thing, and we were like, okay, let's do some cool stuff with all this experience. We've, uh, we've already prepared for that and we started building another prototype and uh, right after we stopped working on Pagan, we started showcasing uh, our prototype to other different publishers. Uh, last year, what happened is that we signed the deal for uh, for the next project that I cannot talk because it's uh, about with, <laughs> which is uh, still in development, so it's under heavy NDA, so I can just say action adventure. Uh, sci-fi action adventure that's that's the biggest thing that I can say okay and uh, uh, in the meantime we've been approached by uh, different uh, big uh, companies who wanted to work with us and wanted us to become part of their family we were against it previously because we were kids born in Serbia and it's my baby just like I don't want to give it to anyone else and uh, culture here is more like if you're kind of selling the company or becoming part of the bigger company it's just like you failed <laughs> you know it's just like oh yeah 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 oh, oh yeah they might must be in some huge trouble when they're selling the company really it's completely different from 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 the west uh, point of thinking just like good good thing you've done that you know which is celebrated as a success yeah. so yeah it, it, the culture here is not uh, is not uh, uh, celebrating you as the winner when you when you do this stuff and um, what happened is that uh, we've been talking to Embracer group which is a huge uh, Swedish uh, com company holding a lot of developers uh, beneath it and huge IPs and super huge talented uh, uh, team of people and uh, they've been talking to us and we decided to do something that's gonna uh, basically allow us to reach our full potential for the first time because it was always struggling between having money uh, acquiring more money uh, sustainability and i was just like i 
I'm, we're always basically doing going from survival to sustainability modes and never to success and just like um, scaling up uh, mode with with the hit game and I was just like I want that I don't want to think about uh, about the salaries anymore and I want to make some the coolest games that I can make and they were like we want to help you reach your full potential and we we're like that's what we want to do and they're like we see a lot of potential in you and you've been doing great job so far so they were like they give us absolute freedom and autonomy and they're like you have the autonomy show us your mastery and we're like let's do this together we've signed that uh, November uh, last year so we've been together for six years and uh, although someone might might consider it uh, a honeymoon phase still like oh everything's cool we've got um, uh, we've got connection connected to uh, top people in the industry for the first time i feel like i'm learning something because the ecosystem in serbia is obviously not something that you can have a lot of success stories in gaming that you not too many people to learn from these are guys guys that have been working in the industry for 20 years on top uh, titles that i've been playing as a kid we're working with them now on a daily basis uh, we're having the access to the some of the ips and we're working on one more game uh, I also cannot talk about it but everything we're doing now is core games super cool titles uh, with uh, bigger teams there's gonna be available on PC and uh, consoles and I'm super happy and I'm highly motivated after 15 years in the industry I'm motivated as I am for the first year in the industry so um urosh you've given us a little bit of idea of what you're working on you won't tell us any details uh, i can i'm part I, of the public company now so i'm just yeah. like i have to keep my mouth shut <laughs> i understand i understand but um i'm curious you know you went through these different phases um with this team of people right and you've had these successes along the way some some of which you're not maybe fully happy with but you kind of accept the realities. I'm curious about your evolution as a person through this period of time. Well, yeah, that's that's huge. Yeah, uh, I've been uh, I've started as a chaotic uh, creative. Uh, I actually started as a wunderkind who wanted to be the best at everything and was a solo player. Then I met these two guys that I'm working with, and I figured out that I'm not the smartest person in the world, world <laughs> and that uh, it's better to work together and. Uh, I started working with them and I completely redesigned the way I'm looking at the world. So I wasn't about being the best at everything. I was just like, we're going to be the best at everything mm. we touch. Not at first, but <laughs> but give us some time and we're going to get there. Uh, my evolution as a professional uh, went along with uh, with our pro- my progression as what I'm doing in the studio. We started as I started as uh, artist. Uh, after I switched to game design to thinking about uh, how to make make the most engaging and immersive games, then uh, we scaled up and then I started leading people, actually teaching people on how to do stuff, then basically becoming a leader to some of the uh, leads to some of the the, the smaller teams, then become... uh, basically uh, uh, one of of the fronts front covers of our company and someone who's going to be a role model for everything inside of our company who's going to be a leader on that side who's going to be a protector on the outside and who's going to be making all the best decisions so what i'm trying to do now is to give my best not just to the to the to the work that I'm making with my own hands, not just to the games that I'm making, but to the games that we're making. And uh, basically, we've been doing some soul searching and company searching for company identity because we have such strong culture in our company, but we never written anything down. We don't have any mission or vision statement. We didn't have okay. it, but we but we literally have it. We had it all the time, but we never written it down, and we never. What was that wanted... quote? Uh... About what? doing it. What was the quote about doing it twice? <laughs> yeah, well, that's more of a motto. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a mission. It's more of a motto. Like how you do stuff properly. Uh, twice. At least twice. <laughs> uh, but the thing is that uh, 
my mission, although it's not a mission in a traditional way, uh, would be creating heroes. If uh, heroes are created in games, I'm going to be the one who wants to create them, but mm. we're also creating heroes in our studio out of the people that we're leading. So that's basically my day job is creating heroes in wow. real life and <laughs> in video games. So my evolution is between... Uh, between chaotic artists to uh, organized uh, leader and uh, hopefully shepherd for people that are coming into our studio, someone who's gonna guide them and show them it can be done even in Serbia. <laughs> awesome. Well, Uros, uh, I can't think of a better way to end our conversation <laughs> than that. So I just wanna say um, thank you for taking the hour to share your story with whoever's listening. Um, it was my pleasure to to listen to it unfold, and um, I'm curious to see you know what games you release. I know that I'm going to be downloading a couple of games on my phone after this, com- <laughs> after this conversation. Uh, and um, yeah, is there anything else that you'd like to share before uh, we sign off? No, I've been talking for an hour. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like I've got it all. <laughs> That's it. Okay. All right. Cool. Well, thanks again. I appreciate I appreciate your time and and your uh, and your conversation today. Thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me and thank you for having me here. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you are not a subscriber, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to write me, send me an email at storytellerinterviews at gmail.com or find me on LinkedIn. I'm Matt Bujalski and you've been listening to Storyteller Interviews.